Welcome to the show. It's Real Talk with the Six Man. I'm your host, the Six Man. This podcast is uncut, unscripted, and we talk about a wide range of topics such as black entrepreneurship, social injustice, education, finances, the family dynamic, Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, and mental health, along with many more. It's a Real Talk podcast to empower, educate, encourage, uplift, and inspire, and to allow others to be better than they were yesterday. You hit that free throw with no jump and take my people out of section eight. I stand by my promise. Pray to God it took a leap of faith like Pac and Biggie Papa. Black Lives Matter over here. The truth they can't see yeah, too often. Yeah. Get the kid facing trauma, stress, depression, marijuana, 50 cents a jack, heart disease from me now carry out a sweat, blood and tears. My cousin spent five years at this McDonald's, taking classes, studying social work, and hosting fillers pockets. Scarlet fever from industrial parks, pollution gave us asthma. I can't trust the news no more because they put filters on their cameras. Man, tell it straight out here Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford One leg inside the trench My wrist came from corporate office uh, Here's the truth Might above the matters I can't let them starve Hood preacher I can't let my city ever fall apart Made mistakes before Overcome the odds And took a charge Built a damn pile Took my youngest Yeah, I'm with the six, man How you hit that free throw With no jumper Take my people out of section eight I stand behind my promise Pray to God It took a leap of faith Like Pac and Biggie Papa Black Lives Matter Over here the truth they can't see too often, yeah, yeah. We need change of perks. We always had it the worst because white folk policies left us cursed. We need retribution. Put 10 bands inside my grandma purse. They set us back a thousand years and took our culture here as dirt. We all kings and queens, right? Just hit the six man for advice. My mind was stuck in the gutter. Spoken reason changed my life. Meditation kept us woke. Therapeutic vibes and quotes. They just killed Breonna Taylor. So it's hard to trust her folks. And I sent a prayer for, sent a prayer for. White collar crime through the stock market. Mail fraud. When it came to food stamps, my brother. Never had a choice, fast forward He just copped a 28 and self-employed yeah, I'm with the six, man How you hit that free throw with no jumper Take my people out of section eight I stand behind my promise Pray to God it took a leap of faith Like Pac and Biggie Papa Black Lives Matter over here The truth, they can't see yeah, I'm with the six, man How you hit that free throw with no jumper Take my people out of section eight I stand behind my promise Pray to God it took a leap of faith Like Pac and Biggie Papa Black Lives Matter over here The truth, they can't see too often, yeah you're listening to real talk with the six man welcome back y'all welcome back to the show it's real talk with the six man i am your host the six man and um i have two guest tonight that I think um, they will definitely um, help me talk about this topic that I have tonight. And it's not a specific topic. It's just more of a um, more of a enlightened conversation and just getting a perspective on what we think is going on in our city. In recent weeks, we've seen an uptick in carjackings and killings in our city. And we just want to try to figure out what is going on with the youth in our city. So I have um, two guests that I think that I have um, have a good rapport with. One has been on the show already. And when the last time she was on the show, 
she was actually um, a ANC commissioner. I just got word today that she is no longer an ANC commissioner, but I told her I still wanted to use her expertise to talk to her in regards to this topic. And my other guest is a gentleman that I've known for over 25 years, I believe. And he has been actually active in the different um, areas of uh, youth uh, high schools. Um, I want to say junior high school level somewhat. And he's somebody that I think will bring a great perspective to what we're talking about tonight as well. So I want to introduce my guests really quick and I'll have them kind of give an intro of who they are and then we'll get into our conversation. So Ms. Robbie, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. How, how are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Mike, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here, Kevin. How you doing, man? You good? Hey, I'm good, man. Outstanding. Thank you for having me. So first and foremost, let me tell you all both Thank you for spending some time with me really quick. Um, I know that whenever I have guests on my show, that is very uh, humbling for me because people take the time out of their day to spend some time with me. So I just want to first and foremost thank you both for doing this for me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, sure thing. So I definitely thank you for reaching out, brother. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely. And and I'm and I'm and I'm I'm really I'm really interested to hear your perspective because when we talked a little bit earlier. It was you hit on a few points, and I want to make sure that I bring those bullet points back up so we can get those um, into the topic as well. So, Miss Robbie, the last time we spoke, we talked about a lot of stuff. We talked about a lot of the organizations that's in DC. Um, I'm not going to name any, but you know of the organizations that we spoke of. <clears throat> and when we spoke, um, you had a lot to discuss in regards to the 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 residents of District of Columbia, right? And when you spoke, yeah. you spoke from a ANC um, perspective. And so now I want to get the personal perspective now that you're not um, in that seat anymore. And just by the way, can you kind of tell us, you know, who you are, what you've been doing thus far, and then we'll do the same for Mike as well before we get started. Okay, awesome. So I am Robbie Woodland. I'm the former Ward 8 Commissioner for HC03, that's the single member district here in Southeast. Um, and I am still involved, though, heavily involved in community activism. I chose to not run again. I withdrew in the middle of, um, after I did the paperwork and everything, I thought about it and then I withdrew. But that's for another uh, conversation. Okay. But I am currently working on a Ward 8 website called ward8dc.com, okay. and it's going to be a resource for all Ward 8 residents. I am building that from scratch. I'm working on it every day as we speak, so hopefully I'll have it ready to launch probably in another two months, oh, and wow, then okay. I'm working on an award ceremony for <clears throat> all community activists um, called the Sovereign Award, so yeah, I'm, I'm building that from scratch too. Oh, that's what's up. I I, I, I think I like that. Let me, keep me in the loop with that because I think that that is excellent that um, we take time to acknowledge those who are in the community that's, you know, taking the time out to be in the community as well. So I think that's a good thing. Big Mike, give everybody an idea of who you are, what you've been doing the last 20 years of my life. Mike, you did? Yes, sir. Sorry about that. No um, you said the last 20 years. Oh, man, that is amazing. Um, born and raised, my name is Mike Austin, born and raised uh, D.C., grew up in Southeast, uh, attended 
um, Malcolm X Elementary School, Johnson Junior High School, and from there received a uh, athletic scholarship to attend St. Anne's Belfield College High School and went on and did several other things. Um, I've been working in the community for many, many years. I think I started in 97 after uh, a brief uh, stance in the Marine Corps. Um, and I think that's around the time I met you, Kevin, back in the early 90s. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Yep. And um, so I've been doing that. I once was on the, uh, uh, what was it called, the Youth Gang Task Force, working mm-hmm. in the District of Columbia uh, with the D.C. Public Schools. Um, we were a team of about five or six that were focused on, you know, uh, working on gang activity in the community, starting from the school out to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, most people do it from the community into the school. We were operating from the school out into the community. Um, I had the opportunity to be a part of a book uh, called Shadows Behind the U.S. Capitol that came out many, many years ago in reference to D.C. gangs, the history of D.C. gangs and crews. Um, and like I said, that's around the time I met you. And since then, I've just been uh, pretty much a not like Ms. Robbie, but I'm more of a behind-the-scenes um, deal with people one-on-one. I try to affect change by dealing with people on a more personal level, just kind of behind the scene. And, you know, that's just been me. I think you know that. So that's pretty much about me. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, I was I was happy to hear about that book as well. So that's that was that was a good look. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Robin. No, I was saying that was nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that, the book was dope. The book was the, the book was really dope, and and if, and if people still want to you know get the book, I believe that they can still order it on Amazon, correct? Correct. Okay, that's what's up. So um, earlier today, <clears throat> um, well, I'm gonna say earlier this morning, um, it was on my heart, and, and some, for some reasons, four o'clock in the morning, I just pop up and ideas start shooting in my head, and then it was just. Um, on my heart with these two young ladies in the District of Columbia who are all over the news, all over the social media um, platforms in regards to this carjacking um, of this, um, I want to say he was a, a, a one of the fast food delivery, Uber Eats or something like that, uh, DoorDash, I believe it was. And once I saw the video, somebody sent me the video and I actually got to see the video. And I can tell y'all honestly that it was very gut-wrenching to see the video. And I have I have been a part of some nonsense in my day, but I can honestly say at 43 years old watching that video, it surprised me a lot because after everything happened, I can hear the young lady, you know, even with this victim on the ground, his body's mangled, he's barely breathing. She's like, oh, I need my phone. It's in the car. And and I think out of everything that happened, that was the thing that pissed me off the most in the video. I mean, even though the video was very graphic, the whole situation was definitely not a good situation, but her asking for her phone after the fact let me know that she did not understand the severity of what had just happened. And I think some of the conversation on the phone, I mean, on on social media today came up when I posted two articles. One article was in regards to these two young women, um, 13 and 15, who are now not being charged as adults, and everybody thinks they need to be charged as adults. And then there's another incident up in Baltimore where a, a teenager, 16 years old, had just uh, did a carjacking, but they're charging uh, that individual um, as an adult. So, Robbie, I'm going to let you go first. Um, what do you think is really going on with the youth, and why is it that 
these young women aren't being charged as adults? Oh, I definitely think that this is big enterprise. Now, at first, when I first heard about this story and then I saw the video, I mean, I don't want to say that I don't think that they understand what it was that they were doing. I believe they understood, but they just didn't care. Mm. When I was young like that, I didn't care about True. some of the things that I did. True. Um, and when you watch that video, what I found to be so amazing was that there were so many people around. Thank God that they recorded it, though, right. because we got to see a clear picture of everything that happened. Right. But I really wish that some people would be more like myself. And I know some people are hesitant to jump into situations. Yes. But my feel is with all of the people that were around, if I was there, I honestly feel like I would have opened up that car door and smashed her out. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you can already feel where this is going. This man did not want to give up his car. Right. And then with the young lady sitting on the passenger side, you can just hear her saying, push him, push him, mm-hmm. push him. You know, like push him. <clears throat> it was no regard for this man's life at all. Even to pull off with the man still standing up in his car. Mm-hmm. And then when you hear the impact and the man, whoever was recording, ran down and recorded the man's body on the ground and she just like, oh my God, I need my phone. I need my phone. But this man is like laying at your feet. Mm-hmm. But I need my phone. I need my phone. Now, it wasn't until I heard who the attorney was, Nikki Lott, that I started saying, oh, okay, this must be big business. You know, this is this is some type of enterprise where, you know, someone is using these kids or it could be a group of people using these kids because they know they can't get but so much time to steal these cars. They're probably taking them, you know, taking them to like some type of chop shop, mm-hmm. selling them or doing something else with it. But it's big money involved. I think these young ladies was what? Arrested not even a full week and Nikki Locke is their attorney? Yeah, I think I, I think one of the young kids. ladies just had the same type of incident back in January. Oh yeah, yeah. When when I was in those streets and um, I was doing what it was that I was doing before I changed my mindset. I couldn't even afford Nikki Lott. I had to get Victor Hulon. And Victor Hulon was a phenomenal attorney. Absolutely. You understand? Absolutely. He was a phenomenal attorney. But when it comes to these types of attorneys like Doug Wood, Victor Hulon, Nikki Lott, once you hear their names, you already know what their involvement is. They're criminal attorneys. You know it has something to do with either drugs or murder. Right? Right. So, for them to have Nikki Lotts retained, to me, it says a whole lot about what's going on with them. Mm. And it also opened my eyes up to what may possibly end up happening to them. Because depending on how they're left free, they may become a risk. And someone may kill them. And we don't want that to happen, but that's the reality of it. You know? Yeah, that's 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 a real perspective. I mean, it's definitely one that I think people aren't really necessarily um, talking about. And I know when when I went online <clears throat> and I'm just trying to make sure I remember everything, um, it was a couple people saying that they really felt like they deserved to get, you know, charged as adults. And then there was some people saying that, you know, um, you know, charging them as adults, what is that going to really do? You know, they didn't really understand what they did. They didn't understand the choices that they made. Um, I remember one lady saying that they're still adolescents and their brains aren't still fully 
you know, um, functional and they're not making the best decisions. And then some people would say, well, you know, maybe we should blame it on the, the adults and, you know, tell them that they should be doing better parenting with the kids and things of that nature. And I mean, everybody has a perspective. Everybody has a thought. Everybody has an opinion. And I'm, and I'm not going to ever take any opinion away from anybody. But Mike, I had a, um, I had a quick conversation with you today <clears throat> and I told you that when you made that comment and it was, it was, it was a, it was a short comment. It was, I blame the adults. And when I saw that, I was like, I think I, I think you saw what I wrote under. I said, this post about to get lit and I put the fires under it because it's a lot of people who will feel like that the parents do the best job that they can with their kids and that the kids do somewhat no right from wrong. So when you posted, you blame the, the adults kind of going to what you meant when you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, um, when I use the term analogy, I blame the adults. I, I like to remind people to listen to what I said. I said, I blame the adults. I don't blame just the parents. I blame the adults, period. Right. You know, um, and so what I mean by that is some of it is upbringing. Some of it is how we parent. Some of it is um, how our parents parent us yes. and what they went through, what their struggles were. So yes. there's a trickle down effect of how we parent, how we do what we do, what we let our child get away with. Um, there, there are a lot of factors in this. And um, so when I say the adults, I don't just mean just the parent. For instance, Ms. Robbie spoke about, I wish I was there. And if you think about what she said, she said, I would have snatched the young lady out. Right. You got to think about it, Kevin. When I came up and I played basketball at Johnson Junior High School, there were several folks in the community that did what they did to make money. Mm -hmm. And they took care of people like me because I was an athlete. Right. And I got good grades and I had an opportunity to get away from the neighborhood <clears throat> to school and do my thing. Right. And they made sure I stayed out of the streets. Absolutely. That was their way of protecting me, taking care of me. Right. Um, and if I did wrong, they didn't mind kicking my butt and bringing me to the house and saying, hey, I'm bringing him home because he's out too late. Right. And so, and, and the reason why I'm bringing it up, like Ms. Robbie said, I would have grabbed the young lady, snatched her out. We don't do that now. We don't get involved in the community. We use the term community, but so many people stay to themselves mm -hmm. and feel like it's not my child. It's not my issue. I'm not dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I move around the city and I see people being afraid to even speak to young people. And I'm like, man, what happens to just having the conversations right. with the young people? Right. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and to take it even further, um, you know, I blame the adults because how many young people do you know that's 15 years old that can vote? Mm. I, I don't know any. We mm. vote the politicians. We vote the lawmakers. You know, and I think I spoke earlier about how we get so motivated to vote in the presidential election, Correct. but we don't vote we don't vote in the law election. And the reason why I'm saying that is because D.C. have a set of particular laws in reference to juveniles and when they commit certain crime, unlike other states. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? And so when it happened, I immediately said, these young people really not going to go through anything that they probably deserve, especially the 13-year-old. Right. You know, just based on their age. You right. can't title 16 her. The 15-year-old, you can title 16 her. You get what I'm saying? Pretty mm -hmm. much saying you can charge an as an adult. Right. That's what Title 16 means. Right. And so when I look at how we interact with our young people, how we get involved with our community, it's nothing like it used to be. It's oh, nothing no. like you nothing. Know, it no. used to be. And so that's what I mean by 
the adults, the school systems, the parents, the community members, we all let these young people down. It's like we, it's, it's sort of like when I hear a parent go, well, my child 18 or that child is 18, they should know better. And I have to correct parents or adults and say, why should that child know better if that child wasn't taught better? Mm. Why are we holding that child responsible for being an adult mm. but was never raised to become an adult? Wow. You get what I'm saying? So that's my perspective <clears throat> on it. We don't put in enough work. I hate when I hear parents say, well, at 18 now, I've done my job. No, if you have a child, it's a lifelong commitment. Right. And so that's where my mindset is. My son is 20 plus years old. He'll be 30 soon. And He's a lifelong commitment that I engage with him on a regular. Young people as yourself, just several years younger than I am. We're going to talk. If I have something to teach you, I can show you. Right. That's what we're going to do. We have to invest in the young people. And unfortunately, we don't do that nowadays. We just kind of, it's not our issue. We turn our back and we always say, these young people, wow. Okay, yep. why are they wow? Yep. Why are they wow? <laughs> we sit back and watch them do these things and they're making adult decisions mm-hmm. and they're not ready for it. Right. You know, and I'll say this last thing because I can get long-winded. I noticed that you spoke about the different opinions that folks had. Mm-hmm. The one thing that we have to realize, too, as adults is that there's, I, I like to use this term, there's no one book on raising a child. So there's no one reason why the kids did what they did. Right. Whether they didn't understand, whether they understood, whether they had mental health issues, right. whether they had, it's a multiple things that could have been going on with these young folks. And if you really look into their history, I'm pretty sure there's some mental health, there's some, you know, some some disabilities as it relates to the mind right. on some level. Right. You know, and that's pretty much my perspective from, you know, my comment earlier. And and, and some and some people, you know, as I listen to them, you know, and I listen to a lot of people and I mean, you know, I, I tell everybody that when I first started this back in twenty eighteen and even when I say 2018, I'm like, damn, it's been I've been doing this that long because it doesn't really seem like I've been doing it that long. And I mean, even the conversation that me and you had earlier in regards to the impact, I, I never really knew what the impact would be of what I will be doing. And then it's like now, even with talking to you today and other people that I've, I've talked to throughout, you know, my tenure doing this, they all say the same thing: impact. You're impacting people. You're 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 um you're a resource. Uh, you know, look at yourself like um, your own authentic news. Like you're giving people what you feel, and you're and you're and you're adding people to conversations that normally wouldn't wouldn't take place. Like on TV, like you're giving people a platform to really speak their mind. You know, in, in regards to certain things that's going on. And one of the things that came up was you know the charges. And I think one of the comments came up where you know we said that you know the youngest know the laws they know what they could doing and i and i was like well yeah you know that's been going on for years because i remember the ogs used to have the youngins run the work for them because they knew if they got caught they would get no paper maybe 50 dollars you know whatever and they would be out and i mean that's kind of been you know the norm since i was a young buck right and so i heard robbie mention something in regards to the laws and then there was a a a, a individual who mentioned cuz i said you know Mayor Bowser and this new chief, I don't know what they're doing in, in, in that in that regard. And she was like, Well, it's not necessarily them because the police are doing what they do what doing or what they supposed to be doing, but the attorney general's office is the one that's dropping the ball. So Robbie, what do you think could be done better to try to get these um young people and I, I don't wanna say 
harsher punishment, but you know, what can be done in regards to them being charged um appropriately, if that if that makes sense. The laws have to change. You gotta keep in mind that these laws that are in place now are the same laws that was in place back when I was breaking them. Right. These laws have been in place since like the nineteen nineties. Right. And they haven't been amended. None of them have been restructured. So I think that's that, in my opinion, that is what needs to happen first. Mm. I wish I had gotten a couple of messages to my inbox from different individuals who know my background, mm -hmm. who know me personally. Mm -hmm. And a couple of questions that was asked to me was, why am I being so judgmental when mm. I was once a criminal myself? I've gotten And that. I had to explain to them that I'm not being judgmental. I wish I had somebody say, hold on for a second. Listen, what you want to do right now is going to affect you so bad right. in the long run. Right. I wish I had somebody that would have snatched me up and who would have told me right. all those no papers you going to get, right. they're going to really count against you when you do something big. Yep. Because the huge misconception is, oh, this get no papers, and then it creates an emboldenedness. You know, they, they become emboldened because they feel like, oh, I'm untouchable. They just dismiss this charge and everything. But what they do not know is when it comes to your sentencing, all of that plays a factor. Right. Either you was charged with it or not. Either you did jail for time for it or not. If it got dismissed, when it comes time and you do a major crime and it comes time for your sentencing, mm -hmm. they take all of that into account mm -hmm. and it's still on your record even mm -hmm. even if it got dismissed it's, it's still there mm -hmm. so i feel like we have to we don't want to put teenagers in a situation where they have to do serious jail time but at the same time lessons have got to be learned now it's right. too much that goes on in washington dc it's way too much that goes on in ward eight you can go to let's say ward three for example if I go over in Ward 3, they can walk up and down the street. It could be 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. They sitting out on their porch. They're having them a good time. Everyone's respectful. They walk past your house. They say, hey, how you doing? And they keep on going. You cannot do that over here in Ward 8. Right. You can't be caught sitting outside late night. You might get robbed. Yep. You can't get caught walking up and down the street late night. Somebody might come by and do a drive-by shooting. You might get shot. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's an urgency. It has to take place now. And I'm sorry, but these little girls, they really need to be the eye-opener for the young folks. Like, this right here can't continue. And they need to be the eye-opener for them. So, I mean, basically be the example. Yes, they definitely need to be the example. They really do. And I hate that they're in this situation, but lessons have got to be taught. We can't let them get away with doing what they did and then go back out here and do it all over again. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, again, you know, going back to some of my my youth my youthful days, you know, I, I would say I've I've been involved with some things that I'm not necessarily proud of, but I look at them, I look back at some of the stuff today and just think about how far I've grown. And I still think that a lot of these young people have time to still mature and grow, but in what type of environment will allow them to do that, right? And I think the environment that we're in now isn't the best environment for them to do that. So I guess for me, Indeed. right, so I guess, and, 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 go, go ahead. Go, go ahead, ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
And another thing that we have to now realize is that the home structure is no longer the home structure that maybe you and I grew up with. Right. It's no longer that way where you have a, a caring parent in the household. Big These mama. kids are dealing with some real issues in the in, inside their house. Mm-hmm. So when they meet people like this to have them breaking these type of crimes, they're catering to a need. Mm-hmm. It could be a housing need. It could be a shelter need. It, 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 it could be food need. It could be a money need. Mm-hmm. They're catering to them. They're grooming them. They're acting like they care about them. They're reeling them all in. They act like they have their best interests in heart. Right. And then they tell them, okay, well, this is what I need you to do for me. You have so many of these kids out here basically raising themselves. They are couch surfing from place to place. They're afraid to let somebody know what's going on with them because they're afraid of being put into CPS, Child right. Protective Services, right. and have to live in a group home and these type of things. So I feel like our council members need to make some real decisions and help these kids out. And allow these kids who are going through these different situations in their home to be emancipated from the parent that's not doing for them, mm-hmm. but also set them up where they can survive and they can work towards self-sufficiency. Being emancipated, I think, I, I haven't really heard that come up a lot in the conversations, but I think that that's definitely something that should be put on the table if a child, um, ha- if, if that situation, um, you know, is... Um, needed like if they need to get away from their parents I think that is an opportunity that needs to happen for the child and I don't really know how that goes in the court but I've I've seen it done maybe once or twice in my life and the individual ended Mm -hmm. up having a successful life so I think that that could be something that could be put on the table as well but I also you know think about the environment overall like when I was when I so I I grew up in southeast DC right but when when I I was born here and um uh, uh, great uh, greatest uh let me slow down. I was born in um, Greater Southeast Hospital, and I stayed with my grandmother uh, for a few years in Southeast. And I think when I left here, I was probably like four or five. And then my mother got a good government job. She was working at the Hoffman Building as an um, armed security guard. And then she moved us from Southeast to Laurel, Laurel, Maryland. And, you know, pretty much in Laurel, Maryland, it was basically a lot of white people. Let's just say what it was. It was a lot of white people. But if you lived in Law Merlin at that time, you was kind of doing your thing though. And so I remember being around a bunch of white kids, you know, just being a, a, a child, mis- being mischievous and things of that nature. But I remember coming back to DC and being in Southeast and it kind of changed for me because I always tell, I always share people this story because when I was in elementary school, I had a, a guy who used to come to my school and beat me up all the time. Like literally just used to beat me up and he was older than me. And it got to a point one day I didn't want him to continue to beat me up so i was walking home one day and one of the ogs on sixth street was like what's up man you good kind of told him what happened told me to fix my face you know stop crying and all that good stuff and he was like you know when you get yourself together come back and holler at me bring me 50 dollars i got you and i and i never understood what the 50 dollar thing was about but i did it my father came pulled up one day um gave me and my brother some money like he always do and you know i walked back up the street maybe a couple days later and say hey i got the 50 dollars what you got for me and the dude ended up giving me a 38. And from that point on, my life changed, like, all the way. And, I, and, and and mind you, I still was a good kid. Like, I still was a decent kid. But going through that mentally, I remember going to the police station. Me, my mother, him, and his mother. And we sitting there talking. And the whole time we talking, I'm looking at him. And he like, I don't give a shit about this, right? And then the mother is like, how we know he ain't do something, talking about me. And I'm I'm scared. Like, I'm scared out of my mind, right? 
And then I think when I got that gun in my hand, it was like some sort of power that I had that I could use to protect myself. And so that's why I say the environment overall isn't the best for the kids right now in this moment. And one time I had an idea. I was like, what if we take these kids and do this drafting process again and pick them up because we know who they are and ship them out and let them do what they do in our community, but let them do it overseas. I'm not sure if that's something that will work, but it was just somebody was asking me, well, what do you think we should do? And it was, and it just popped in my head. So I wanted to ask you, Mike, like, even though, you know, there are some structures in place, even though there are some things, you know, communities, um, community organizations that's out here, and I'll name a couple, Kill the Streets. Um, 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 I can't think of the, uh, uh, the, I think it's the, uh, the Alliance of, uh, the Alliance of Good Men, I think it is, something like that. The Alliance of Concerned Men. Concerned Men. That's you go. And so there's a few there's a few organizations out here, nonprofits as well, that's trying their best. You know, Martha's Kitchen. I see them everywhere. You know, trying to you know feed the people, trying to you know give people you know just whatever they may need. And I'm just asking you, as as being somebody who's been in and around dealing with the kids, even being on the youth um, gang task force. What are some things you think could possibly happen to give them a different environment? I think I'm going to go back a little bit because Ms. Robbie, uh, she hit on some awesome points. Um, she made some great points. Um, she spoke about the laws. I cannot get away from changing the laws. But the first thing coming to my mind is the wraparound services that these students, these young people need. Mm-hmm. Not just like, think about the organizations you just named. Their main focus probably, I don't know, I don't know for sure, um, I'm speaking out of ignorance, may be to focus on the child. For instance, use the terminology of transporting them out, sending them elsewhere. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's great. Um, they have these, you know, how they take the kids and send them to a camp in the country and mm-hmm. they're gone for four, five, six months. I did You're that. Taking them out the Camp Brown. Camp Brown. Yep. Exactly. You're taking them out the environment. Mm-hmm. They go to another environment. They can succeed because they don't have the elements of the environment, you know, pulling them to the streets and doing things. You know, a lot of people do things all just because they got to defend themselves. Right. Kevin, you could have been that guy who, like you said, you were afraid. The dude used to beat you up. He was older than you. You paid for that gun. You got the gun. You could have been a young man who used that weapon killed that young man, got away with it. People don't know Kevin did it. And the one thing that I remind people of is when you do a crime, just think about it. Anything that you get away with, it becomes easy to do it again. Right. And you could have been that kid who did not care and constantly killed people all because you got bullied. Right. That's pretty much what it is, all because you got bullied. And so for me, I think that one of the things we do, we can take a child out of the community, but if the child got to come back, you know, it's easy to be successful when you're away, but when you come back, it's about your mindset. And so, once again, I go back to when I said there's no one book on raising a child. I can tell you there's a kid that I know. Address is W Street Southwest, uh, Southeast. Um, went to Banneker for a couple of years. Transferred. Went to Woodson. Mm. Um, played football at Woodson. Uh, almost a 4.0 overall GPA. Mm. Um, currently uh, got a full ride to GW. Mm. And this is a kid that came up in Southeast. Mm-hmm. Do not involve himself in 
you know, craziness, mm-hmm. no physical altercation, don't do none of that stuff. When they get into fights in schools, you know, he fight happened upstairs, he walks downstairs mm. just to make sure he's separated from it. Right. So it's about that mindset. You know what I'm saying? So it's about the mindset, and that's not for everyone. I can speak on myself. I came up in Southeast. Everybody knows that. But I'm the guy who never had a drink, never smoked a cigarette, never smoked weed, never did this, never did that. And I was, you know, I'm pretty much doing okay. I can take care of myself or pay my bills and stuff like that. So it's just about having that mindset. Kevin, I told you earlier, um, I appreciate you doing what you're doing because you are affecting change in people's lives. But you are not afraid to jump off the cliff to do what you're doing now. So a lot of people are afraid to make that move. So mm-hmm. once again, it goes back to your mindset. So it's about the mindset of the young people. It's about it's about getting the proper services to help these young folks. Right. Because I can take you out of your home and bring you to my house for a couple of hours a day, feed you, and and do all of this. If you go back home to a toxic household, mm-hmm. guess what? You're in that toxic household for 15 hours a day, 12 right. hours a day, especially during the time of COVID. Yeah, exactly. You can't go anywhere. I was going to mention And that. things are on lockdown. Yep. And you're around that BS all day. All day, You yep. don't get the escape of going to school. Mm-hmm. Like, these young people need better services. Like, there are a lot of services out here, but you need services to help serve the family, help serve the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they in the city, they talk about, they talk about equity. Mm-hmm. You know, and unfortunately, I don't see the money being shared in an equitable way mm. to affect some of our folks, you know, east of the river. Mm. And I'm just going to keep it 100. You get what I'm saying? So Absolutely. I don't have the answer. I don't think there's one answer, um, you know, but I just think that we need to get better services to serve the whole family, right. to serve the whole community, not just I take the child and do this with that child right. or I do that. I, ju- I just think that that's what's going to help, you know. We just find a way to better serve the whole community, as they use that term in school now, the whole child. Right. You know, we. I, I mean, that's just that's just where I am with it. Right. Um, but I don't have a concrete one answer to say, hey, here's the end all. Right. You know, I don't have that. Right. I mean, I think for oh, me, I though. Oh, I love what you just said. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think for me, though, you know, you know, me and a couple of my brothers, man, we, we were on the phone one night and I kind of was telling them, you know, how I felt about, you know, being involved, you know, in a lot of the stuff that I've been involved in and wanting to do something better. And I mean, even my platform here, you know, Real Talk with the Six Man, my slogan is be better than you were yesterday. And I tell people that because I'm not just talking to the people, to the masses. I'm talking to myself as well, because if I have an opportunity where I've done something wrong or I said something wrong to somebody or. You know, I might have made a mistake. If God gives me breath, I can be better than I was yesterday. And so even with the nonprofit that we just recently formed last year, Type DNV, Teaching Youth Prosperity and Excellence, we're right now in the process of waiting for our 501c3 certificate from the IRS. But we still got involved in the community. We did a um, back-to-school drive. We partnered with some people and did a um, holiday drive, gave out toys for tots. I mean, it's some stuff that we did. We fed the homeless. We did a Thanksgiving drive. I mean, we have been in the community, but we, um, you know, talked to some of our, um, I want to say our our board of directors that we want to put on our board. And one of them told us that we need to do grassroots um, community, meaning that 
we need to get back into the community to talk to the people to find out what they need versus coming up with different programs, thinking that they, they will work. And so for us, we have been working diligently to find out what are some things that the you know community needs and not just based off the youth, but from the family aspect that you just talked about, Mike, because I do feel like we have gotten away from that family element. I do remember times when my mother, you know, had several jobs, but it was times that she can be home. And when we, and when we ate dinner, we ate dinner at the table together. We didn't, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't, you know, we didn't talk on the phone or none of that. I mean, we might not have been as talkative while we ate dinner, but we sat at the table and, 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 and ate dinner together, you know, and I don't think that is happening now. And I mean, then it evolved from, you know, the Cosby show, we all ate dinner, but we all ate dinner in front of the TV, but at least we did it together. And I think that that togetherness is lost um, in today's society. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to trying to help people you know, build that that togetherness back as a family because that family dynamic is is tragic. And I mean, even with the um the the I want to say it was the uh, I don't I don't want to say welfare program, but the program where the young women you know sign up to get housing, and one of the requirements is the male, which is the father, cannot live in that house. I'm like, wow, wait, what? So that was one of the things that threw me off. In a nutshell, like, so she can get assistance and all of that, but her, the father of her kids can't live in the house and he's supposed to be the head. I'm like, wait, that's, 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 to me, that threw me off a little bit, but I do feel like. Mr. Kevin, can I jump in? Yes, sir. I apologize, sir. You're hitting on so many points. I'm over here shaking. <laughs> but um, when you speak about the family dynamics, mm -hmm. you got to understand when Ms. Robbie started talking, she started talking about big business, big corporation, mm -hmm. things of that nature, right? Mm -hmm. You got to understand that this system is working the way it's supposed to work. Mm. I give you all of this, but yet you can't have a man in the house. One of the one things that I've learned is when there's a father involved in any child life, that child has a certain level of confidence yep. and ability to do some things that just, I don't know what it is about it, but it's something about the father. And when I figured it out, I made sure I tried to instill all the confidence in every single last one of my kids and anybody else that would listen to me. Mm. You got to understand, it goes way back. Earlier we spoke today, and I said, think about it, Kevin. Back in slavery days, people were married. Black men and women were married. They held their family together because that's all you had with your family. Right. Nowadays, people get married because it's an option. They get divorced because it's an option. Right. You know what I'm saying? The family dynamic is gone because they knew that the family structure, especially black families, was just too strong. Mm -hmm. It was just too strong. So we have to break that up. So we have to use different systems. Mm. Okay, there's no more slavery. We can't do what we want to do with you. So we have to put a system in place. Look at Georgia. All right, they're getting too strong. They're doing too much. Let's change the laws and make it unfair. You didn't find any election fraud, but right. you're making these laws, but you, but you, but it's adversely affecting the black communities. Right. I'm just, I'm just calling it what it is, yeah. you know. So, you know, that's why they created all that to separate the black family so they can affect change. Think about it. Black Panther Party doing great for in multiple different states. Mm -hmm. They had to get in there and break that up. Yeah, too powerful. That was that was a hard movie for me saying? to watch. That's the system. That was that that uh that 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 Judah and Messiah man. That was that was that was a rough one for me to watch, man. It was it was rough. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, nah, you good. Just hitting those points. No, nah, you good. Just, you know, I apologize. 
No, you good. I mean, because I just, I just feel like, you know, these are the conversations that need to be had. I feel like there's a lot of conversations that people have and, you know, people inbox me or we may talk on the phone. I remember the first time me, me and um, Robbie talked and I think we might have talked for like an hour and then we'd be like, all right, so we're going to record, you know, I'm going to call you back. And in my mind, I was like, damn, I should have recorded that because we had a, we had a full conversation that could have been yeah. enlightening to people. You know what I mean? And I think that those are the the uncut conversations that need to be had. And sometimes, like Miss Robbie said, sometimes it's not going to be what you want to hear. It's not going to be, you know, <laughs> what you think is right. It, it's what you need to hear. I mean, because sometimes people need to ha- need need to hear the harsh reality of what's really going on. Like like seriously. So yeah. you know. Yeah. And I just want to add to that. I want to add to what to what Mike said also. The the people east of the river all of our residents here, what we don't realize, what most of us don't realize, is that we are living in modern-day decrepitude. Mm. And I like to call it intracolonialism, even though that's not an actual term. I said that before the last time we talked. Yes, yes, you it's did. intracolonialism because it's happening to us by our own government. Yeah. I mean, open your eyes and take a look around at how everything is functioning now in this pandemic. They have $1,400 to give to the entire world. The entire world. So to pull these children out of the situation that they're in should be nothing to do that. Right. Over here at our park, Austin Run Park was one of the, the parks that was the park that I commissioned over. And we had a ball player. I don't know if it was Steve Francis. I can't remember which ball player it was, so excuse my ignorance. But he donated like a couple of million dollars to the park. Why in the world would a park need a couple of million dollars? The money is not being funneled the correct way. Mm. Housing is not being funneled the correct way. This is why we have so much homelessness in our city because the way that the the part the the the, the um the housing is designed, it was designed for families to come in, work towards self sufficiency, get yourself together, and then move out. Right. But somewhere along the lines, it became a generational thing. You came in with your kids. Your kids started having kids, and then their kids started having kids. And before you know it, you've been living 20 years in this housing, and if you try to move an inch to work towards self-sufficiency, then all of a sudden your bills rise tremendously, and you still can't afford it. So some people stay because it's easier to stay where their rent can be zeroed out than to get a job, and then the rent skyrockets Mm -hmm. for those places. Right. Yeah, that's 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 actually true. That's actually true. And I mean, I, again, you know, these these are the things that's happening right in front of us, but nobody wants to take the time to really, you know, research and talk about them and, you know, you know, really, you know, do something about it. You know, I mean, we we do have politicians that's here and, you know, I, I'm one of the ones that, you know, I love a lot of the older politicians i mean you know um norton i mean she's been around for a long time you know she's done a lot of stuff for the city but i just feel like it's i mean even even on the hill even on in the senate you know even you know up in that that realm i mean it's it's people that's been in that particular seat for 30 40 years times have changed we need to get new people with newer and fresher ideas in those seats i love to see all of the women of color in congress i love to see all the new young fresh people in congress because they come up with new ideas i mean they i'm not saying that they all gonna work but at least they come up with something different and it might surprise us that some of them might work i mean who knows but 
I just feel like these are the conversations that need to continue to be had. And I think as long as we continue to have these conversations and bring back, you know, certain perspectives of, of things that's happening in front of us, that things could, you know, ultimately change. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do some final thoughts because I feel like, you know, um, you know, I think I think we need to keep doing this. I think that this conversation may continue on, but I want to, you know, continue to allow people to have a fresh idea to kind of talk about, you know, what things can what things can possibly help change um, the environment that we have in the District of Columbia. But we're going to we're going to come right back and we can give us like two seconds and we're going to come right back to y'all. This is a journey. It's it's a process. And and I know that you think that you know everything now. And out of the abundance of what you think you speak. But sometimes if you would just hold your peace and realize that how you see it today may not be how you see it 5 years from now. And you will have damaged everybody with wrong information because you thought it was an experience and it's a journey. I'm just captivated by these newest methods of mines And it's just fuel to the flame of this aggression of mines And just like fine wine, boy, we get better with time Cause I'm just moving, I'm moving, I'm moving, yeah I'm cruising, I'm cruising, I'm cruising, yeah I learned my lesson, what a price to pay And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today Cause I'm just moving, moving, Cause I be, cause I be I'm cruising, cruising, cause I be, cause I be I learned my lesson, what a price to pay Myself, gotta live and let go. No regrets, forgiveness in my heart, never no stress. Mellow breeze, AOT, we the best. No Cali, on this road to riches for a minute. Hate mileage, had some bustle on the way. Guess who couldn't hold on? Sad to say, times got real. Look who didn't stay true. Who you? This ain't no shade, just venting. No offense, forgot to mention you was my brother from another. Nothing but love for you. Hope you shine. I've been told you nothing, no, no one gon' ever stop mine. Oh no, this my prime time grind. Hey, ooh. I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Yeah, I'm cruising, I'm cruising, I'm cruising. Yeah, 
I learned my lesson with a price to pay And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today Cause I'm just moving, moving, moving Yeah, I'm cruising, cruising, cruising Yeah, I learned my lesson with a price to pay And I just got up on my knees and talked to Christ today back y'all we uh took a quick break and we had a quick conversation <laughs> offline and i wanted to get some final thoughts from both of my guests and i wanted to start with you mike because we just talked about um miss robbie acknowledging the fact that we cannot walk in our neighborhoods speak to each other hang out like we used to and just do the things that we normally would do so give us some final thoughts in regards to that aspect and uh let us know how you feel about that well yeah yeah, uh, Ms. Robbie definitely hit on a point that I think some people, you know, try to ignore. Um, right now, uh, she spoke about not being able to walk up and down the street. If you're out too late, you may get robbed. Um, she spoke on those things. And that's real stuff. Like, knowing who you are, that self-awareness, knowing who you are, knowing what your community is, knowing what it stands for, taking responsibility for your actions, Um you know, that's, that's big. And the way she took responsibility, recognized the issues, and we had more people to recognize, like, a lot of stuff that goes on in this community is because we're doing it ourselves. Right. We're doing it to ourselves. We're robbing each other. We're right. killing each other. No one is coming in, but yet, right. um, you know, and she also spoke about, I think you or her spoke about, like, law enforcement doing their job in certain situations. You know, right now, it's easy to look at the mayor. It's easy to look at it's easy to look at the police officers and like, oh, they doing this, they doing that. You right. know, if a police officer shoots someone, you know, you, you you hear about it. But yet we're killing each other every day in the neighborhood and, you know, you don't hear much about it right. unless they do it on the news. You right. don't get the uproar that you get if somebody else do it. Right. And for me, I just think that we need to look at ourselves, take responsibility for our actions, um, make sure as the adults that we fix our community, show our young people how to take pride in the community. Yes. And, um, you know, just do it that way. I think that's what's missing the adults, the true leadership, the true family, the true definition of community. These are all the things that we are, um, you know, we're missing. And the one, I'm going to end on this. The one thing I dislike is when I watch the news sometimes and someone from the community, when something happened, they go, well, what the mayor going to do? Well, the mayor don't live in Ward 8. Right. What are we okay. going to do as a community right. to fix our issues? We don't need the mayor to come in and raise our kids. We need to do that. That's true. And what I mean by raising them, I mean like as a community, we need to raise them. That's the one thing that kind of ticks me off because I'm like, I never heard the mayor say, go out and shoot somebody. Right. I never heard her promote that. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong, I know there are laws in place that kind of promote BS and people get away with stuff and don't learn from it but you know we just got to take care of ourselves man we got to get back to where it used to be you know like i said back in slavery black families got married right and they held their family together and once we get back to caring about one another like that we'll be 
better off. That's my thoughts. Good stuff, man. Good stuff, Miss Robbie. You um you you were a um an ANC commissioner, which you spoke about earlier, and now you are still doing some stuff in the community. And some people will say that we don't have any leaders in the community. Like, who are our leaders, right? And so I want you to kind of do a final point on just talking about leadership overall because you had you had an opportunity to serve and you did it. And then you changed your mind and felt like you wanted to move in another direction. But you still are serving in a leadership role, you know, helping the community. So give me some final thoughts on leadership and what's leading you to do what you're doing currently today. Okay. So let me start by saying that I want to give an explanation of why I chose not to run again. Okay. I chose not to run again because I'm the type of person that go against the grain. And I saw a lot of things in my ward from our leaders, from our council member mm -hmm. that I did not like. And I went against it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I had people coming against me on every end, everything that I was trying to do. I feel that I can be more powerful as a community activist mm. than I ever can be as a commissioner. Mm. I would like for our award, do you know how powerful we would be if we all got together and properly vetted mm. these individuals that are running for office? We have about, and the number could be off, but I believe we have about, what, 50,000 people that live in Ward 8, maybe a little higher. Wow. We would have the controlling vote if we had at least 20,000 people mm. who can all be on one accord properly vetting who we would like to have represent us in office. Mm. People don't vet the people. They come, they knock on their door, they give you their shoulda, coulda, woulda. And it sounds good, but one of the red flags is if they have not already been active in your community, mm. you don't need to vote for them. Mm. If this is your first time hearing about them, you don't need to vote for them. Mm. And you need to delve, you need to dig into their background and see what they are. Because what we have is you got a lot of people say that they're Democratic, but I like to call them Demopublican. Mm. Okay? <laughs> They're not Democrats for real. Mm. They're Demopublicans. Mm. They are Democrats with you be, a Republican you be, heart. You be, you, be, you be making up some words, man. I'm trying to tell you. And you have to be aware of these things that, that is taking place. Our community needs to pull together. We need to get more involved. What are they going to do? Shoot us all? Right. What are they going to do? Steal all of our cars? Right. Everybody needs to stand up. It's time to stop complaining and put some action to work. Stop allowing these people to be out here in your neighborhood who don't live there tearing your neighborhood down. Stop allowing these people to come into your houses and disrupt where you live at. Like these things, we all need to take accountability. And if you know someone that's doing the wrong thing, don't go to them and say, I know you don't want to hear this, but, and I don't want you to be mad at me, but no, you go to them and say, listen, I need you to stop doing the bullshit that you're doing and get your shit together. Right. Because this is not how it's supposed to go. Right. Grow up. Get right. this together. Be upfront. Be vocal. Be emboldened with it. Be outspoken with it. Because that is what needs to take place. Help these children out. These children are going through a lot right now. They have parents and households that prostitute them out. Mm. They got parents, they got mothers, they got these boyfriends that look at them sexually. Mm. They can't get a decent meal. 
you got some females. I, I opened my door to young mothers to come and live in my house. I think while I was in office up to this day, I probably had about six mm. teenage mothers come and live with me. I helped them all get into housing programs, helped them all get their own places, wow. and now they're doing fine. Wow. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's great. They need somebody to be there and help them. And they'll call me and say, Ma, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I don't mind if they call me mom because they need that mother figure from somebody. Right, right. Wow. So we all just have to do our part. There's no more complaining about it. Do your goddamn part. Step up. Say something. Be outspoken. If you don't like what's going on, pull your neighbors together and everybody try to resolve it. Right. And when we do that, when we operate like a real community, then we can see some change. And I mean, for me, you know, my final thought is something piggybacking off what Mike was talking about because I had this conversation with a young man. Um, well, I ain't going to say young man, but I, I had a conversation with a, with a man um, a few weeks ago and he ended up doing... 29 and a half years in jail and he's out he uh is working on his barber license and he's actually a uh i want to say he's a plumbing apprentice right now but he said something to me that hit kind of on mike's point when he said that you know a male the male figure in the in the house and in the community you know kind of allows things to kind of thrive and one thing that he hit on that i see happening today a lot and just in you know society in general is that men don't check men anymore like mm-hmm. men do not check men anymore. And and when I say that to say, I mean, even if we see, like you just said, Ms. Robbie, even if you see a young woman, I think from me knowing you, the little bit of time that I've known you, you will stop and say, excuse me, what are you doing? Versus mm-hmm. a man saying, a young man doing something and we just look at him and keep it moving. Or maybe yeah. give him the thought that what he did was okay. And and I think that's kind of where it starts. And I, and I tell people that, you know, having a cell phone is great, but putting a camera on it was the worst thing they could have ever did. Because now okay. everything is being recorded, but you're not helping. I mean, I had a, I had a situation where I saw a guy. He was high off something. He almost fell in the street. I um I pulled over, helped him sit on the curb, and as I'm trying to help him, I went back to my truck. I had half a sandwich and a bottle of water that I didn't open yet, so I wanted to give him that. And I got a young guy on the corner with his phone. Ah, look at the old head. He fried. Uh, and I'm like, man, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, if you're not going to help this man, what are you doing? Like, you embarrassing this man? This somebody's uncle. This somebody's father. This somebody's husband. And he need help. And versus you helping him, you got your phone out recording him. That, do- that doesn't make any sense to me. And so I felt like in that moment, I felt like I was doing the right thing. And even though some people would say that I put my life in danger because... You don't know what the young man had on him. I, but I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about helping another human being because he almost literally got hit by a cop. And so I think that one of the things that I look at nowadays is that we just don't check each other, you know, individually like we used to. I mean, because that, 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 what do they call it? That, that village aspect is gone. Because if you did something, mm-hmm. if you did something on Brandywine Street and Miss Darlene knew your mother, by the time you got home, you got your ass whipped by Darlene, by whoever else who walked you down the street. And by the time you got home, then you got your ass whipped again by your mother. And so whatever okay. it is, so whatever it is you did, you wasn't doing that again because you knew you backtracked. You was like, well, shit, Miss Joyce whipped my ass, Darlene whipped my ass. And then by the time I got home, my mother whipped my ass. I ain't doing that no more. And that is not happening. Right. We are not checking each other the way we are supposed to. And I think that is one of the key elements 
that we are missing in today's society. I mean, just in our community in general. So I think that both points were very great. Um, and I, you know, again, I want to thank you both for coming on, sharing your perspective, spending some time with me, man. And I think that, you know, at some point, if we have any other dialogue that come up, man, y'all feel free to hit me up, man, and we'll talk about it. But I think for the most part, Miss Robbie, I thank you. I thank you for everything that you're doing in the community. If there's anything that I can thank do, you. absolutely. If there's anything that I can do to help you, you know, I'm a phone call away. Mike, you know. Thank you. Mike, as a brother, as a man, you know, when I was in Baloo, man, you know, I can honestly say that you were one of the black males that I looked up to. I remember being online and somebody said, can anybody name um, how many black male teachers you had in high school or junior high school or, or in school growing up? And off the top of my head, I can name nine off the top of my head. And, and just doing that, I, I realized how blessed I am. Like, I'm literally a blessed person because I've had all types of black men in my life throughout my tenure of, you know, everything that I've done. I mean, I can name Mr. Price, Mr. Lee, Dr. Lee, Mr. Jones, um, you know, um, uh, 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 Dr. Bridges, Dr. Jones. I mean, I can name so many teachers that's black males, you know, educators that helped me, that shaped me. And I remember, you know, having those conversations with you coming in the front door. I mean, it was, it was a cool conversation but to you, you know, it was you in a form of helping us. But then even for me, it was a way of me seeing you and going, damn, I don't ever see Slim out at, you know, at the parties. I don't ever see Slim out, you know, at, you know, in the streets. I don't ever see Slim. I wonder what's up with Slim. And, and it just it just made me want to talk to you more because you you were just a cool dude to talk to. So I can honestly say that, man, I looked up to you a lot in Baloo. I mean, I didn't really say it, but I'm man enough now to say I looked up to you a lot because you was always clean cut. You always had that bright smile and you always was respectful. That's the one thing that I remember about you, Mike. You always was respectful, even though, you know, you might have had an individual talking to you crazy or whatever. You would just smile, look at him and be like, oh, OK, and because you knew how to deal with us. And I mean, that's why I say Dr. Jones was probably one of the best principals that I ever had, like educators that I've ever had, because he knew his kids and he knew how to deal with us. I remember we had a um some type of. I don't want to say it was a ride, but we had something that happened up below and we kind of like, you know, was uh, was on strike and DCPS came up there and all. And Dr. Jones was like, no, nah, this is my school. Let me handle my kids. And I remember we couldn't leave school. Um, one of the issues was we kept leaving school. We kept we kept leaving school for lunch. So Dr. Jones was like, you know what? Where did, where did, they, where did the kids going? Oh, they going to MLK. Dr. Jones with the MLK and was like, listen, bring MLK here. So that way they don't even got to leave campus. I was like, damn, dog, that was that was smooth. And and literally, we, we didn't have to leave campus no more because we had MLK. I mean, of course, some of us still left, but it was innovative stuff like that, that Dr. Jones knew how to, you know, keep his his school safe, if, 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 if I can say that in the regard. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I could just say I respect you for what, you, what you've done, you know, over the years. And, um, again, I appreciate you both. For coming through spending some time with me man and um hope y'all enjoy the rest of y'all night and just thank y'all for coming through thank you no problem can i add Brother one more Kevin? thing yes can i add one more thing before we leave yes ma'am i just wanted to touch again on the females um who are not going to be charged as adults mm -hmm. and i just want to let people know this right here even though those females may not be charged as adults it is going to be a stain on them mm. that is going to cost them more than money. Mm. It is. 
it's going to be traumatic for them at first, and then it's going to impact their lives. Their lives will be forever changed by this. Mm. So even though they're not physically in jail, or they won't physically do jail time, with this type of incident that happened right here, you can you can be you can be in jail without physically being there. I hear that. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like it's going to have a stain. It's going to leave a stain, and that stain is not going to go away easily. I hear that. You were saying something, Mike. What were you saying? No, sir. I just wanted to thank you, brother. I mean, I appreciate what you said. Um, it's happy to hear years down the road that you were a living natural example for a person that's doing as great as you're doing. Um, so to hear you say that and the fact that you're doing what you're doing, <clears throat> I feel like a proud big brother, mm -hmm. proud uncle, if you will. Right. So um, thank you for saying that. Um, it, it actually brings additional motivation to me to continue to do what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And um, I appreciate you for allowing me to be on and uh, speaking with the great Ms. Robbie. Um, I was a little nervous because I know her history a little bit and her background and what she stands for. And I was hoping I can just kind of stay in the game with the conversation. So appreciate you. Oh, that. Thank, you. thank you. Oh, yeah. It was a pleasure meeting you too, Mr. Mike. And I hope that I can physically meet you sometime soon. I really swear I do. And Kevin, thank you. No I problem. always watch your shows and everything. You always have great dialogue. I appreciate you so much. I, I try, man. And you know, sometimes people get on me. Um, because I'm not as consistent, but I tell them, man, I got a life. I still got to pay bills, so I still got other, you know, fatherly responsibilities to, to handle. So I try my best. I try my, I try my best. But again, I thank y'all for coming through, man, and uh, I hope y'all have a great night. Um, and once I get everything, you know, set up, I will definitely let y'all know. All right, thank you. All right. Take care. Have a good one. You too. Okay. Bye bye. Be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday I gotta be better than yesterday, I gotta be better than yesterday No matter if I'm playing six man or star, I'm better than yesterday We gotta be better, do better, that's every minute, every second Drop a juice, hope you collecting them. The voice of the people, we all gon' get heard. This real spill, never clear what I say. Huh. Always tuned in, never tuned out. Gotta stay walking, be a sleepwalker. Gotta stand up, got too many stand out. Stay ready, like the six man of the year, we up now. 